0: Hey, welcome to RushCast. I'm Jay Mantis. Thanks a lot for being here and downloading and streaming and all those other things you do to listen to podcasts. I really appreciate it. We had a lot of great feedback for our digital discussion last week. As usual, everybody's been doing a good job in the last few months sending me things in. Hey, before we get to that, uh, I'd like for you to do something a little bit different with our show to kind of enhance the interaction you can have with me. Uh, So just a few of those things first off. Rate and review us on iTunes because that does a lot for us and it uh, does a lot for my ego. (laughs) It makes me feel like I'm not talking to uh, nobody, right? But the more iTunes sees that we're doing a good job, the better it is for us. Also, I'd like for you to start sending in audio clips that I haven't prompted you to send in. So, you know, in the past, it's been, what is your, what are your top three albums or whatever I ask you in the digital discussion, and you respond to that. I'd like to encourage you to send me anything. Think of it as like a, a, a talk radio show where you just call in and you talk about whatever, and then I can give my feedback on it, and I could give you my take on it, and possibly pose a question, pose your question to the rest of the fan base. That would be really cool. It doesn't have to be a question. It doesn't have to be related to what we're talking about. As long as it's rush something, you could call up and say, hey, have you ever heard that Yelp at the end of Neurotica? What is he saying? And I will play it on the show, and we'll talk about it, because it just kind of gives us something different to do here and there when we're recording. So Peter C... This guy, Peter C., is a fan of the show. He emailed me a really, really juicy video. It's a video, it's a test for Echo Live from the Test for Echo Tour. And it's done in a way that they would do the last few live albums. The professional camera work, the audio sounds pretty good. And I'm talking like the, the moving cameras. It's not a stationary camera. It's not from someone's cell phone. It's really good video. And I said to Peter, like, why didn't they release this on a DVD? I imagine a lot of it is what we hear on different stages. But I could be wrong about that. We know it's that tour for sure. And there were a lot of really interesting things on that. This is on YouTube. And I maybe later on I'll tweet the link to it so you can check it out if you haven't seen it. But that, I've said this before. That's a really... Um, uh, kind of gray area for me as a fan. I don't know much about the live shows in the 90s. So YouTube, of course, was like, oh, would you like to see the entire show from such and such place in 1994? I'm like, yeah, man, of course I do, YouTube. Uh, So I got to watch all of Counterparts as well, a Counterparts show from 1994. There were a lot of songs I thought worked live really, really nicely. Double Agent worked really well. Uh, When I sat down to play that song on bass, I was surprised that I hadn't played it ever until then because it was a blast to play. Show Don't Tell worked really well. I am a rhyming genius. I don't even try to do these things, Kevin. (laughs) Uh, You know, why didn't they play Show Don't Tell on any of the tours since Counterparts? That I don't understand. Resist, and we're talking about the original Resist, works really well live. It, it did. It took a little bit while to get going because these are ballad types, as as close to a ballad as Rush can record. That's what we have in Resist. It may be Nobody's Hero as well. Uh, Nobody's Hero is the one song that I thought did not work live. While I love it on the studio version on the album, one of my favorite albums. I love every track on Counterparts. It just, it wasn't a song that really kind of hit live. Um, if Bravado is a tune that's known as the get up and get a beard track on uh, the last couple tours, nobody's hero would have been get up and get a, a keg this track. I don't know. It it was not hitting for me as much as I love the track. But Back to the songs I thought worked really well. Virtuality, I thought worked well. Can we stop hating on that track? That is almost as heavy as Rush gets. And simply because... Look, Kevin, I'll tell you. You're a you're somebody who is not a rush fan that's true you, you know of rush you've seen rush I've live seen rush live i know of rush you appreciate some of their stuff I but do. you don't know what virtuality is i do not <laughs> you don't know what tesserecho is do. you don't know what a podcast is i have no idea so <laughs> i don't know how i'm producing one virtuality is this is a heavy song it's a song that kind of gets back to it gets closer to metal like what rush is at its core is a metal band mm-hmm. um It sounds great. It comes in. It's very riff centric, which people dig. However, the lyrics in 1996 are, put your message in a modem and throw it in the cyber sea. Net boy, net girl, send your signal around the world. Let your fingers walk and talk and set you free. So you see what we're writing about here. I do, but it seems that they didn't. Well, the, I, so much and nobody did it's not their fault exactly it was, it was, it was the knock on it is oh it, virtuality is the worst track ever because it uh sings about modems and it, and it you know modems are irrelevant now this is 1996 modems were relevant that's what music is is music music a recorded piece of music is a time capsule or it's it represents its time period so why, why do we hate a song because it wrote about the early days of the internet during the early days of the internet? It just happened to be kind of a lame time. Right. You know, it, it was nothing. It'd be different if Rush came out today and was like, hey guys, dial right. up. Yeah, that, that Rush <laughs> looked like the, the fat computer, the fat uh, white computer monitor maybe, is what that song looked like. And, <laughs> and, 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 At the and, time, know, it was like, maybe, wow. Uh, what's the, the, the latest album that they just released? Uh, like Clockwork your, Angels. Clockwork Angels, maybe that one looks like more like an iPad. Right, I see. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a, that's, that's very good. To come, that's, you'll that's just be an analogy guy. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't, I don't understand, and you know what? I think virtuality would have been cool to hear live because it, it just rocks so hard. Guitar-wise, right? Musically. Limbo, they played Limbo. On the, the, uh, the tour that supported that album. And that worked really well. Uh, Test for Echo, I was kind of on the fence on... Talking about the song, Test for Echo. And ultimately, I decided it did work pretty well. I don't think that song gets off to the right... It gets off on the right foot to open the album. And it's a lot heavier than the first 10 seconds lead you to believe... Okay, it's and it's funny because when I when I first bought the Test for Echo CD, it was one of the last one of the last albums I had owned that I you know I or didn't own and I bought. Um, I was I had Russian Rio and I loved Driven. I wanted to find the album that Driven was on. Or I'm sorry, the, the yeah yeah the album that Driven was on. I finally found it, and then when I imported into iTunes, something went wrong and it only imported the first like 10 or 12 seconds of test for echo. So I I pop it in and this is the only track that appears and I thought it was a a teaser trailer like for a movie. I thought it was just a 10 second clip the band released and that maybe, you know, somehow ended up on the album to to promote the album. I would listen to it And it ends with him saying the name of the album. And I thought, oh, that's kind of interesting. Only to find out that that was the actual track. And to hear that live, it was kind of, it was like, it gave me a weird feeling like, uh, this isn't as epic as the rest of the song. And of course, 2112 in its entirety. I've said a lot about this. I've mentioned that I would hate it if they did that at a show I was at. To eat up all of that space with space that could be used for other deep cuts that I'd rather hear on a song like 2112 that I've heard so much, I wasn't about it. However, in 1997 when they played this uh, on this YouTube video, it was, and of course I've heard different stages, I've heard it, but it was another thing to see it. The band had an energy that, and this is cliche, but they had a, a different energy. They were younger, and stuff hadn't happened yet. It was very interesting to watch, especially one specific part, and I'll get to that in a second. Actually, you know what I'll get to where right now? I'll get to where right now. Get, Getty is singing was on a different level. again, he was younger, and, I, and that's obvious. It, but it was so cool because Getty Getty looks the same as he did in 97. We're not talking about the Getty we have now back to the Roll the Bones days. Like he had different glasses. He had the hair pulled back. It was a different Getty. But he looks the same. So for me to watch it and see him hit these high notes with these is like, whoa, <laughs> this is a different thing than I'm used to. The the So and uh, here's a disclosure. We're doing the ranking of the epics, right? Listen. This is maybe where I I am losing to the rest of the fan base. I don't know what these subtitles are for these epic songs. I don't know what part three of the Necromancer is called. I don't know what, aside from the grand finale and the uh, overture, I don't know what any of the parts of 2112 are called. Maybe that's because I didn't experience them with the liner notes uh, on a, on vinyl. But... I I just don't know. I don't know like where where I went wrong and how I don't know those titles, but people are always people email me and they're like, "Oh, the such and such from Fountain of Lamness is the best part." I don't know what that part is. Give me give me a time and I could look them up, but there's a lot of them for me to memorize. I'm just not going to do it. I I've, I've I've enjoyed the music enough not knowing what the titles are. Knowing them isn't going to change my perception of the the, the music at all. But so, I can't tell you which part in 2112 I'm talking about title wise, but I am going to say something about the part after the overture. The band stops and we get Alex and his guitar live on stage. It really hit me how important this one section is. And let me say this if you are somebody who experienced 2112, when it came out when it was the latest Rush album, you must be going nuts to hear if you're on concert and you hear the whole thing. Because I know that was a religious experience for you. To hear it live must have been a, a definitely a goosebumps moment. But Alex is up there by himself just noodling, and I thought, what a great job he does of writing a piece of music that represents what this character is feeling. Just listen to what he's playing on his guitar in those couple of minutes. He's, he's showing you what this kid is feeling when he finds a guitar and he's never experienced anything like it. And he's figuring out what this thing can do and the sounds it can make. It's really powerful. And also, visually, like we've heard it on different stages, but to watch him at like something, something different is going on inside of Alex when he's playing that part. Something I've, ne- I've never seen in any other video. There's a there's a little extra something and I'll tell you what that is. That's Alex when he first played guitar. That's Alex when he first picked up a guitar. The first guitar he's ever played. He that's what he's channeling. He's going back to you know what what was it like when I just picked up this instrument and didn't know what to do or how to play it and I was just noodling. That it's incredible to watch. And there's another side to it. Neil writes this epic story and these lyrics, and he gives it to, to Alex and Getty and says, Put music to this. That must be the coolest thing for, for him to just hand them over and then see what comes out. And for him to hand over the part that's, you know, what can, the, what can this thing be that I found? And it's got wires that vibrate and make music and all that. And Alex is playing this beautifully, it's a masterpiece. Behind it, and it's all unaccompanied, and it's amazing to hear live. Check out that video, I think you'll really enjoy it. It's like uh, in jazz when you write a tune, you write the melody and you put the chords with the melody, and that's it. You don't write what the saxophone player plays behind the melody, you don't tell the piano player what notes to play or what part of the piano to play them at. Or how loud or how soft. You don't tell the drummer when to play fills or when to play on the cymbals or when to play on the toms. You just say, here are the chords, here's how the melody goes. And in jazz, you know, I write a tune, I hand it to my band. I get to see what my band does with it. My drummer is an expert at the drums. I'm an expert at the upright bass, the saxophone player is the expert at the saxophone player. So I get to see what they all each do to their respective instruments on my, for their parts on my song. And it's really powerful. And that must have been what it's like for Neil. He says, here's, here's the story, put, put music to it. And then I'll put drums to your music. So we'll stay on YouTube for a second. And I guess this is this episode is just a humongous thank you to YouTube and all the great things it's done for hardcore fans of anything. And all the the hours of study time it's wasted of mine by saying, I know you just watched this one-hour video, but would you like to see these other one-hour videos? I promise you'll love them. <laughs> Dave, uh, not Dave, Daryl Hurst has emailed the show a few times. He mentioned in his write-up about his ranking of the epics, that Dream Theater once covered The Necromancer, or at least part of it. And that was fascinating. And of course, he sent a link, and we'll share that one as well. They did a great job with it. And what a weird one to, what a weird Rush tune to cover. I knew Dream Theater was influenced by Rush, but I didn't know they were that deep into it. And what's cool is um, this band I can't stop listening to, Periphery, actually, my producer is listening to it as well. Uh, would you say Periphery is metal? Yes, I would say it's, yeah. it's definitely metal. It's pretty heavy. Yeah. Okay, but it's prog metal, and it has in a way evolved from Rush. And I'm always thinking, um, I follow these guys on Twitter and other social media stuff. How come I never see them mention Rush? It's always Meshuggah and Tool, and which are a few steps away. And Dream Theater is a huge one. They always talk about Dream Theater. Well. Dream, what's the big band Dream Theater talks about? Rush. When you talk to Dream Theater, they're like, everything came from Rush, man. Here they are covering all these Rush tunes. So I guess what I'm trying to say is I justify it in my brain as, oh, Periphery's just like the stepchild of Rush. That's all it is. That's why I love them so much. So of course, then YouTube picks up and says, oh, they also covered the Camera Eye, <laughs> another long tune. Dream Theater did the Camera Eye as well. They did 2112, That that one was um, almost a note-for-note cover that was really interesting. And Primus did La Via. Uh, Chad's going to love that one. Chad's all about Primus. And I'm sure he knew that, and if he had told me, uh, I forgot. But they did La Via, Strangiato, Primus, and they were great. Uh, Les Claypool had a really nasty, really gritty bass tone. I didn't think that was his normal deal. But it was really enjoyable to watch. Thank you for sending that in, Daryl. I have a couple of random random uh, things that are bugging me that... You guys helped me out. My listeners helped me out, Kev, on uh, identifying some like weird stuff that happens in songs. Like, what is that? And they know more than I do, and they send in these things. Why are there dogs barking at the end of the trees? When they play the trees live, there are dogs barking. I've heard it on several recordings in different years the other one is that uh, I know none of you know anything about this because none of you have made it to the end of this track but on Taishan, there's like weird voices it sounds almost sounds like Amy Mann is back and she's doing this like hum thing or just as the song is starting to fade out you can hear it and you don't hear that anywhere else on the whole track and I want to know what that is I'm sure none of you know, because none of you listen to that track. But if somebody does, I'd be willing to hear uh, from you. Uh, last episode, I kind of freaked out about the song In the End. That song, It's a Lot of Love, and I mentioned how I don't know why. Uh, I I don't know, I don't have the love for that song like everybody else does several of you sent me emails and pointed out that that you all you all made the same point that song was on all the world's stage and for many of you that was especially people older than me that was your first glimpse into this band live maybe even your first glimpse into the band period so you had a just a, more of an engaging connectivity to that song i I guess that doesn't mean i like it anymore but uh i guess it justifies why others have it on their lists and things like that another another weird thing colin kratz emailed uh and he he mentioned he listened to knickerbocker which was cool he checked out our latest knickerbocker episode and he said he enjoyed that so thanks colin he said at six ten, six minutes and ten seconds into Cygnus Book two He said, Am I nuts or does he say bridge? And the bridge I don't I don't remember even what the lyric is. But I listened to it and I heard it. It's it's gotta be his vibrato. Um Getty back then was doing that really fast narrow vibrato on his high notes and it's accented in we're going to go to Alex Lifeson's solo album Victor on the track Start Today they have a vocalist that kind of emulates Getty's old style and she does that she goes way up there and does the super we can start today and at the end of the note she just throws in a (laughs) I promise Kevin that's what it is Uh, I think that 's what it is, Colin, because in the rest of that line, you hear that vibrato as well, but it, it did make me stop for a few minutes. I spent like a day and a half thinking like, "Wait, what was that? and i 'm surprised you guys pick up on these little things. Okay, last week, I asked you to rank the epics. We picked the seven songs, the seven longest songs, not including natural science, anything longer than natural science. That is Fountain of Lemneth, Necromancer, 2112, Two Cygnuses, Xanadu, and Camera Eye. What we did was, let's say Kevin sent me, my producer sent me uh, his list of seven. Let's say he had 2112 first, then it got seven points. Xanadu was second, it got six points, and so on. Okay, so the last place... Song got one point. The first place, Song, got seven points. You just invert them, okay? That's where my uh, my point system is at. Coming in in seventh place with 19 points was The Necromancer. I can't say I'm deeply surprised about that. Uh, however... Yeah, yeah, we'll get into that in a second. At 26 points in sixth place was Fountain, its little sister... 34 points, the camera eye, 39 points, Cygnus Book 1, 53 points, there is a tie for second place, both of these had 53 points, Cygnus Book 2 and 2112, and of course, with 56 points, Xanadu, big surprise, won the whole thing. So it was really, really cool to see a tie like that for Cygnus Book 2 and 2112, Uh, I went back to see if I could find like a tiebreaker because I I had everything laid out in front of me. So I thought maybe one of them had more first place finishes. They both had three people choose them number one. So it is a genuine, sincere tie for second place. But Xanadu beats it out by three points. Interesting that, all right, here are all the the amount of points that the necromancer gathered up one point one point two three three two two one two two not good that's out of seven a possible seven its sister fountain of lamneth got a seven another seven so two first places a two a one a one a one a a three a one a two and a one I'm surprised anyone had it first. I had it. I thought I had it kind of high on my list for other people's tastes, but apparently not those people. I was surprised to see the camera eye so low on some people's uh, lists. The lowest Xanadu had was four points. Uh, the camera eye didn't really get out of the middle. In fact, it had one with one point. So, interesting an interesting list uh, without a doubt let's do this week's digital discussion this was a suggestion by a bunch of listeners via email let me hear your top three live albums so we've done things similar to this in the past and now a bunch of people said hey I really like this let's do the live albums next I don't remember what the old one was, was it top, uh, I don't know, your top regular albums, top studio albums, something like that, but people want it, and I think that's actually kind of a cool idea. So your top three, here are mine, uh, I have, uh, let's see, I have Snakes and Arrows Live, and I don't think that surprises you, Time Machine, and a show of hands, now there are while up there are a bunch of things that make all of those onto my top three, there are like there's like one big one for each. Snakes and Arrows, in my opinion, just looked the best. It it was how I wanted a Rush show to look. It was my first tour, so maybe that's why I'm biased. I thought that was the sexiest drum kit Neil's ever played. I loved that bright red kit. Uh, I loved the material. I loved the deep cuts pulled on the set list. But most of all, I just loved the way it looked uh, not, I liked Getty's bass before he changed it That was cool I loved the like kind of prototype um, Prototype guitar that Alex had It wasn't uh, his regular signature guitar It was the one they made just for him There was only one It was a great looking guitar And his amps behind him were cool, I missed that Snakes also sounded like sonically it was perfect Time Machine, while it was similar and in a similar time period, there are a few tracks on it that make up for everything else and the reason it beats all the others that aren't on my top three. Uh, Working Man comes to mind immediately. La Via, I uh, I think Leave That Thing Alone is on there. Those are fantastic tracks. And the aesthetic, obviously the way it looked was something very different um, uh, my one of my all-time favorite tracks, Marathon, is on that one. That might be swaying my decision as well. And a show of hands simply because I love that era and it represents that era more so than any other live album barring Snakes and Arrows, which played the whole album, and Clockwork. So Clockwork Angels Live, we heard all of Clockwork Angels virtually. Snakes, we heard a bunch of snakes, and... On Hold Your Fire and Power Windows were heavily represented on a show of hands. And while the recording wasn't fantastic and the video was just meh, you know, like most videos were then, it's still in my top three. So I want to hear yours. You can send them you can send me audio clips, you can send me stuff on Twitter because it's a shorter kind of answer or email. And I look forward to hearing what you say. If there's enough, I'll tally them. We'll do a point system again and we'll see which. Live albums uh, win, which ones get the most points. We'll count them all, whether it's only audio, like different stages, or it's both audio and and video. doesn't matter. Look forward to i I think a bunch of you old guys are going to throw exit stage left and all the, all the world's a stage at me, and I'm going to... I don't know. It's <laughs> better than this new stuff, but I get it. You have an emotional attachment to it, and that's... That's why you go there. Sweet. All right, time for today's new world guest. Today's guest is Lauren Whitco. How's it going, Lauren?
1: Solid. Thanks for having me on. Solid. Where are
0: you at right now?
1: in wilton new hampshire on top of a hill
0: new hampshire
1: new hampshire i don't even
0: know if that's a relevant accent is there <laughs> there's like boston-ish accents there right
1: between growing up in south africa and canada and then studying in sweden i'm not so good with accents anymore <laughs> you can isn't an accent all right you,
0: all right so south africa vancouver and new in new england and you don't have yes. any accent to offer up to RushCast? I got nothing. <laughs> we should make accents like the sacrifice that you have to make. You must sacrifice an accent <laughs> to come on the show. Uh, so you are a new wife. A wife? A new wife.
1: I am a new wife.
0: Lauren married our buddy Chad. Everybody knows Chad. He's the Xanadu guy, right? Can we, can we label Chad the Xanadu guy? <laughs> Actually, we're just we
1: could we could label him a lot of things.
0: <laughs> I think earlier in this episode, uh, a few minutes ago, I I labeled him as Primus guy. Maybe he'll like that. I don't know. Uh, it was
1: one of the first concerts we went to together.
0: You said you were just listening to Roll the Bones, right?
1: Yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna tell the crew a little bit of the backstory to that one. So. Um, Jared and I were trying to set up a time to, to chat, even though there's no time difference between New Hampshire and New York. Um, <laughs> but, so we're trying to set up a time. And he's like, all right, I'll call you around seven ish. I was like, okay, it works for me. And it's like, 10 after seven? 20 after seven? I was like, hmm, hope he's okay. And so I messaged him and I didn't hear back. I was like, kind of annoyed. So it's like, I know what I'm going to do. So I play Roll the Bones. Then I'm listening to it, and I suddenly feel better, because it's like, why does it happen? Because it happens. I was like, okay, <laughs> just needed a little guidance, now I'm good. And so I wasn't feeling so annoyed anymore, but then it gets to the middle of the song where there's that weird rap thing, and I don't even know if it's Getty's voice, and and then I'm annoyed again. <laughs> and then it goes back to the chorus, and I wasn't so annoyed.
0: Yeah, people like to hate on that section.
1: Um, I don't know. Chad loves it.
0: I don't. <laughs> I don't. So we, we're having Lauren on because Chad and Lauren listen to the show every week. Uh, they listen to Knickerbocker too, which is cool. We Chad kind of said, wouldn't it be cool if you had Lauren on and just to talk to people, to talk about people who are married to super geeky Rush fans? And that mm-hmm. that was kind of a cool idea. So if uh, if you're listening to me now and... Maybe you're hiding it from your wife. You're like, oh, I'm not listening to a very weirdly specific podcast about a rock band. Uh, This is the show for you. Lauren is your guy. Are you the guy, Lauren?
1: Totally the guy. But also know that opening up to your spouse about your love of Rush is not necessarily a bad thing. Chad was super upfront about it, right? When we... St- <laughs> actually, it was one of the first things he ever said to me because we were both working on the same farm, like four and a half years ago, five years ago. And he heard that I was from Canada, and so he like found me in the store. He's like, "Hey, you're the new person. You're from Canada." It's like, "Yeah." He's like, "Do you know Rush?" I was like, "Uh, no," but for some reason, it didn't deter him. But so, fast forward a couple of years later, when we're when we're dating. And um, I contact my best friend, and I was like, so it, it, is it weird that I didn't know who Rush was, and I'm Canadian? And my best friend tells me that my parents should be shamed for not <laughs> introducing me to Rush. <laughs> and so I like defend my dad. He's like, I, he introduced me to Meatloaf. It's okay. No shame. But yeah, apparently all Canadians actually, know who Rush is.
0: I did the same thing to a British student who came to school in like 10th grade, super shy girl comes into math class and i have to turn around and say do you know hi you know hi i'm 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 jay do you know rush and she looked at me and 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 like shrugged and said get away from me i i don't know why i felt the need to do that but i did it now uh, you have a small introduction to the group's material you saw Chad's introduced you to some of that stuff. He's brought you to a show too, as well, right?
1: He did. Um, he actually introduced me to Russian, kind of a romantically way, in that he, a uh, romantic way, he started. Um, he burnt me CDs uh, that I would listen to initially, just on my own, and then when we started commuting between New Hampshire and New York, because for the first um, almost year of our relationship, we were 180 miles apart, so we would burn each other music that we could listen to on the road. So he would burned some stuff that he knew that I would like, and then he would, like, slip in a Rush CD. (laughs) And uh, the first one that he burnt for me was um, Snakes and Arrows, and the second one he burnt for me was Counterparts, and those are still my my two favorite albums. I love
0: that guy. He knows, he just does it right, you know what I mean?
1: He does. (laughs) And you you know that you're married to a Rush fan when you start communicating through Rush lyrics, especially (laughs) when you're angry and having a fight and then you know that the fight is over when a certain song comes on.
0: <laughs> he just he picks the right albums for things like that. Uh, yeah. So what are, like, I know that you have, I know that you like Animate, and I know you like Far Cry. You got to hear both of them on R40, right?
1: Oh my God, we totally lucked out. The heat, Chad told me, like, the chances of them playing those two songs are not super high, and, like, I get that they're still popular songs, they're not... I don't know. So I I went through some of the the Rush albums today just to see which ones I had kind of more of a grasp on. Okay, they have more than twenty five albums, right?
0: They have uh, nineteen or twenty albums. Are you sure? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Are <laughs> <laughs> you talking about studio albums, right? Not live albums.
1: Yeah, not live albums and not albums that are like um like, remixes or anything like
0: that. Yeah, uh, 19 or 20, if you count the cover album.
1: Okay. There were some albums that I discovered today that I've never heard of. Interesting. Including... Okay, including what are they? One called... Okay, so, um, 1989, A Show of Hands.
0: Uh, that that's a live album.
1: Damn it. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Not on the air. Um, so... Uh, when when I went through the list, I was like, "Show of hands, is that is that an album?" So now hearing that it's a live album, I just thought it was so interesting because one of Chad's other like all time favorite musicians is Victor Wooten.
0: Uh huh.
1: Um, you know, Chad as a bass player, just kind of it, it goes that way. And uh, one of his favorite um, albums from Victor Wooten is also called "The Show of Hands." That's right. So like two bass prodigies with the same. <laughs> holding on an album. It was just really interesting. Right. But I, I hadn't heard of that one. Um, Caress of Steel.
0: Yep. That's a real old one.
1: Yeah, hadn't heard of that one. Um, Where are I you know seeing of, these? Uh, they were listed on... Actually, if you Google um, Rush albums, they come up at the top. Okay. But then if, if you go to the Rush website, which I give huge props for, it is so organized. Mm-hmm. And I... I worked in the music industry for about four years and there's not all artists websites and i know they probably have big you know agents working on their website but it's so organized it's beautiful and it's easy but if you go to their website it lists all of them in um each decade so you can pick them up there
0: was there any others were there any others
1: uh gold which is 2006 it's fairly kind of recent
0: that's a compilation album
1: Oh, that's why I got... Okay, so when I counted them all up, there were 24 of them, but since... So those are two of the four, I guess, I didn't get. Right. Um, Signals is one that I'm not familiar with very very much.
0: So, Lauren, right now you have people yelling at you. (laughs) There are people (laughs) listening who are freaking out. Uh, So, uh, uh, you know, out of a show of hands, Caress of Steel, and Signals... I think Signals is the one that you, you, have, you have to kind of be aware of.
1: Oh, not that, that you have that to, but like, one.
0: Signals is a big one for people. Some people think it's the best or it's their favorite. Um, Caress of Steel is an album that was not the band's most successful time or most successful material, but um, as of recently, people are really starting to realize it has some good material on it. And A Show of Hands, I said earlier in the show, is one of my favorite live albums because it has some of my favorite songs on it. Hmm. Uh, so I, I missed... Uh, we have Animate, we have Far Cry. Were there other tracks that you mentioned that you like a lot?
1: Um. I mean, I, I do love Far Cry, but really the whole Snakes and Arrows album is just amazing. New World Man, uh, Roll the Bones, which mentioned earlier, YYZ for something that's more uh, or instrumental. Um, I actually asked Chad if he could make me a CD with just the instrumental stuff that Rush does. Then it's, it's a completely different energy to it. Yep. Um, and I actually went through about two months where I didn't want to (laughs) hear, and people are going to yell again. I didn't want to hear Getty's voice. I just wanted to hear the instruments and then I missed his voice so it
0: came back. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I I had the same thing. I, I was I was that way with old Getty. I didn't I loved what they were doing instrumentally um in the old stuff where he was, you know, we can call it Screeching Getty. Uh, oh, no. I didn't like I liked, you know, Presto or Roll the Bones where his his vocal range was closer to what mine is. You know, I, I've sang in Rush cover bands. I could sing anything from Presto or Roll yes. the Bones. Um because he sings a lot lower, I can't. I couldn't even listen to the old screechy stuff for a long time. But it grew on me, so I know. I know what you feel like.
1: Well, from the doc, um, the documentary they did on Rush, and they gave some of the headliners from the newspapers that he sounded like um, <laughs> a hamster trapped in a vacuum cleaner or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. They were harsh, but I think that really showed the strength of the band. Like not only that, people stayed with him through you know screechy getty through getty on synth through like they've they've done some uh, through robes on stage but they've done a lot of stuff to either be with the time or be who they are or whatever and people Mm -hmm. have stayed with them
0: you you must have some sort of relationship with clockwork angels
1: yeah
0: do you know any of the tracks
1: uh I don't have an intimate relationship with Clockwork Angels, but it's something. It's something that Chad and I have. Um, so, um, yeah, no, there's it's, it's it's always the newer stuff. Mm-hmm. And so Clockwork Angels is 2012. Yep. Okay. Um, yeah. Anything after? Since I was pretty stoked on. But no, I know Clockwork what you mean. Angels well, Clockwork is Clockwork the is, the, Clockwork is the
0: latest album, but I know exactly what you're saying. Uh, I I think it's great that Snakes and Arrows is something that hit for you because I I just like people more when they appreciate that album, <laughs> uh, well, and I know so, I know you and I know Chad and I know that Snakes and Arrows is something that would resonate with you. Uh, yeah. So well,
1: Counterparts was the other was the other album and um, the, the term counterpart actually became something that was kind of like relationship lingo. And that wouldn't have been if Chad wasn't such a strong Rush fan. Mm -hmm. Um, but he actually, he, he used the term, uh, counterparts in his wedding vows. And, um, then later on, okay. So for those of people who are listening, if Jared hasn't mentioned it before, he was actually at our wedding. Uh, he showed up early and, and, Helped to organize food and cheese.
0: just like you cut all I the cut cheese. all of the cheese
1: <laughs> and then provided like post ceremony entertainment until one or two a.m. which was a <laughs> lot of fun um but his chad's best man used a rush quote as well uh from from tom sawyer
0: yeah it was a pretty rush-tastic was, wedding for sure
1: it was a wonderfully rush-tastic wedding so anyways point being the the counterpart's album as well it's held a
0: lot of... Um... Is there a track, aside from Animate, that sticks out for you? Oh, I didn't even mean to make that pun. You? <laughs> I didn't even mean that one. <laughs> uh, I, aside from Animate and Stick It Out, is there one that sticks out?
1: On Counterparts? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Nobody's Hero is on Counterparts, right? You know it. Yeah. So I remember the first time I heard "Nobody's Hero and I was in my car. <laughs> okay, there's probably like a lot of like burly men listening to this show, and I'm just like all about the emotions right now. But um, so I was like in tears the first time I heard that, and I just I thought it was so beautiful.
0: It is. And
1: yeah. It, it is. It yeah. I mean, all
0: right. So- first of all, don't feel bad because. The reason that this that people listen to the show i think is because we do talk about that side of things if if we didn't it would be a show of you know talking about how much we all love tom sawyer and working man and i don't think that's what people listen to the show for Uh, people talk to me people email the show all the time and talk about things like that so don't worry about it let me ask (laughs) what what was the weather like what was the time of day like when you were driving and you first heard that song
1: it was, actually, it was fall. It was the fall again.
0: Was it nighttime?
1: And Chad just got home.
0: <laughs> Yo, put Chad on the phone right now.
1: All right, here he is. If want to say hi. Downstairs. Hey, dude.
0: Chad, listen, I can't talk, dude. I'm doing RushCast.
1: <laughs> I get you.
0: No, seriously, dude, I got to go. All right, man. <laughs> okay i'll talk to you later yeah thanks a lot jerk yeah (laughs) all right lauren we got you back
1: got me back i'm here all
0: right so you it was a fall day it was sunny
1: yeah i was driving down the hill from our house and it was fall and it was kind of overcast and i think i was on my way to new york isn't isn't it funny how you can
0: like remember the the setting
1: Oh man, with with a lot of their songs I can. Yep. I still I still remember, I remember the lighting in mm-hmm. Boston when they started playing Animate. and then I remember <laughs> the lighting as well when they were playing Jacob's Ladder because Chad freaked the fuck out. It was a, sorry not on the radio. <laughs> Chad freaked out. It was amazing. <laughs>
0: uh, yeah, I actually noticed the lighting was different than anything else I'd seen at a Rush concert on that track. They, they, they really did tried did they to keep do something the different. the lighting the same. What's that?
1: Do you think they kept the lighting the same with all of the, with all of the different places they went? Because I, I know Chad on the R40 tour, he went um, once in Boston and then he went to New York City with you. But yeah, it's some, a, there's
0: a lighting guy controlling all the, the things happening with the light rig, but they, I think he is aiming to make it the same each night.
1: Alright, so did you see the ladder that they took? Yes. It was like a light ladder on the side? That
0: was one of the, the good things about sitting so far away. I was up high above Getty. Uh was that you could you get a really good sense of what the lights were doing collectively. Nice. How did it how
1: did it feel to be above
0: Getty? Uh it didn't sound great, but it <laughs> it was cool. <laughs> I mean, if you're talking about like being near Getty, uh during Clockwork, I had like seventh row in front of Getty, and that was cool. But uh,
1: have you ever met them?
0: Uh, no, I haven't. Have you?
1: No, <laughs> you, you'd hear about it if <laughs> that I met would be
0: them. That would be a very different turn uh, or change of mood on the show. If you you come on, you're like, oh, I'm not the biggest Rush fan, and of course, I'm a huge fan. You're like, Have you ever met the band? I say no, and you're like, Oh, well, I have. <laughs> Tell me about, because uh, I'm i interested to hear this, do you have any, like, you know, can, can other spouses of Rush, huge Rush fans relate to any of the stories that you have? What are some weird things that Chad does and, you know, your husband does that are
1: weird? Alright, so um, some of my favorites, the one I already mentioned um, earlier, where you start communicating through Rush songs, like you quietly take a turn putting on brush in whatever room you're sharing at that time to try to figure out how the other person's doing. <laughs> um, my most recent and probably most favorite um, experience of being the spouse of a rush is that your your friends also start to get into that. So last week we're over at a friend's place for dinner and we finished dinner and they have um, an almost two-year-old son who was done after dinner and needed to go to bed. So and the husband of the, the friend of mine went to go take him up to bed, and he has this thing on his phone where he can control the music in like, in like downstairs and where like the entertaining area is through his phone. So he goes upstairs, and suddenly the music changes to moving pictures. <laughs> and so he started playing the whole album, so he leaves the room, and it was kind of like, it was just super clear that it meant like, all right, I'm not in the room, but I hear you, I'm still like... It, it was just, it was great.
0: Yeah. That's awesome.
1: Um, so having other people kind of connect to Chad through that or, uh, having Chad meet some of my friends for the first time and the conversation comes around to the fact that he plays bass and he likes rush. And one of them says, um, so people who like rush, they like really like rush. <laughs> Are you like one of those people? I'm like, Oh my God, they're putting in a box. But it was, it was sweet. They're trying to connect them. To um, and then another thing that that i I kind of like that Chad does is if we're going to a social gathering together, and they're more of kind of my friends than his that he'll ask me if it's an event that he can wear a rush shirt to um just to, to <laughs> check if it's socially appropriate
0: <laughs> and you just know like now, Chad, you can't wear a rush shirt to this event
1: it's yeah, I'm like it's not really a rush, but I mean he he has a rush shirt with like a collar on it, so that one works.
0: Because he's prepared, he, you know, and, and also the, rush, the rush merch shirts. people know they're like, and this is what the rush fan will wear when they go to a baseball game. We'll make <laughs> rush baseball jerseys, and <laughs> they do. Don't laugh at me.
1: They no, do. it's true. There's a whole there's a whole social uh, social consciousness around the rush community, and you know, Chad also, joked about it when we were on our way to the R40 tour in Boston. Huh. But, and he's like, so people always joke about the bathroom lines and the fact that the women's lines are usually shorter. And I was like, No, well, whatever, but you go there and it's so true. The men's line is like a mile long and there's maybe 10 women in line waiting for the bathroom. But I did overhear another woman who's been a Rush fan for a very, very long time over like talking to another woman next to me that, uh, the line this year for the bathroom was longer than she had ever Ooh,
0: seen. Uh, we should celebrate. You know I'm actually I guess Rush Khan is a, like a Rush event is run by all women and I've been in contact with them about having them each on the show so we might have like a streak here of all women guests what on the show which it? will be really really cool
1: the unicorn parade
0: the getty corns yeah yeah like Gettycorn. all all seven women rush fans will be on the show it'll be fantastic you know, I, I noticed Getty, or not Getty, Chad, same thing. I noticed Chad <laughs> has like a very religious, uh a very religious, like, uh, what am I trying to say? Process. A religious process about buying Rush merch because I was next to him while he was trying to buy shirts at this last tour, and he, he like, he figures it out. He does some staring, he does some hovering He waits in line, he switches lines He's like, well that line over there Faces the west And it's, <laughs> the sun is setting so my, The sun will be in my eyes Hindering my view of the Rush Polos He bought the, you a shirt On this tour, right?
1: He He bought two, actually He bought one when he went with me And then he bought another one when he went with you
0: Well he's a wealthy guy, you know
1: it, uh, when it comes to Rush, there are no boundaries. <laughs> um, Did he ask you for gas
0: money immediately after? What? He's like Lauren. I bought you these two Rush shirts, but can I have some gas money?
1: <laughs> no, I actually. Um, it was part of his birthday present, so I got him tickets to the Rush. Um, to oh the
0: yeah, North you guys concert, went it, to Boston together, it, right?
1: Well, it was it was the day after his birthday, so I'm like, this is it's so close, it's so perfect. So I I got him tickets and was, you know, online two minutes after they came on sale and we were still pretty high up, but Mm -hmm. it was great. It was really great. But yeah, as far as merch, um, so most, most listeners probably know that Chad's also a birder and there was a shirt that I don't know why, but it had, um, a sign type thing and it had a seagull on it with the R20 tour or the R40 tour stuff on it. Mm Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, so it's 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 like two of your favorite things. It's there's a bird and there's rush. Why would you not get that shirt? And he's like, it just it's the the bird just seems out of place. It's just not. I just don't want it. It's like, okay, that that's cool, but I didn't understand. But so he's with, just with overanalyzing. Like, that's he's all. Religious about it. I don't know, <laughs> but he's he certainly knows what he likes.
0: Lauren, I appreciate you being on the show.
1: It's such a pleasure to talk to you.
0: And I hope you uh, I hope you're back sometime in the future.
1: I will keep my um my ears and eyes out for quirky rush things that he does and
0: now be sure to share them with you. All right. <laughs> Thanks Lauren.
1: It's such a pleasure be well.
0: It'll be really interesting for to see like if she goes and checks out Caress of Steel. Like this person's like, "Oh, I you know, I love counterparts and i love snakes and arrows and then i know nothing about coressive steel well it's a little different it's a little bit of a different band and as i've said before it's like kind of three bands ago right rush has been three different kinds of bands since then but that's cool uh this was a great episode i had a lot of fun and thank you for being here look for and look forward to hearing from you down the road see you guys Brought to you no, by I say it brought to you by Knickerbocker.